Hello and welcome once again to the We Watch Some Movies podcast brought to you by Braves General Store. My name is Brad Blackburn and I'm joined by not one but two special guests this week, uh, special being a relative term, uh, Stephen Ray Brown and Kay Yamada once again, who we'll get to in just a second. Uh, this is the last week of the We Watch Movies uh, podcast, um, unless the public clamor gets so that we can't ignore it. So if you like the show, talk to us about it, and maybe we'll bring it back later. But for now, the 500 returns next week, and we're going to close this thing out with a bang, talking about three sports movies. Uh, so without any further ado, let's get to our guests today. Uh, Stephen, won't you go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody, since we haven't heard from you yet? Well... Uh, I would think the listeners know who I am at this point, uh, but I'm Stephen Brown, one of the writers and founders of BGS. I'm not a movie buff in any sense of the term. I haven't named like a movie that I sh- quote should have seen. And I haven't seen it, uh, but uh, I'm I'm on here anyway. I'm not really a big sports fan either. I'm just a baseball fan, but here I am talking about sports and movies. So we'll see how this goes. Do you have anything to add, Kay? I immediately regret after that intro having Steven on this podcast. And <laughs> no. um I think we've we've made worse decisions, but this is gonna be right up there and um this is, this is I'm top... I'm ex- I'm excited to get this thing going. Yeah, this is a top three. I'm I'm excited to get this thing done. Alright. So what three movies do we have this week? Um we've had a pretty good selection of enjoyable movies the past few weeks. This week, I went a little bit different. I wanted to get some movies that I thought uh, we would struggle with a little bit here and there in spots. So we went with The Natural, Slapshot, and He Got Game. (laughs) All right. So that's our three movies. Just a quick reminder of what we're doing here. These are not necessarily the best movies in the genre. These are not necessarily... The my favorite movies in the genre, or really even representative of the genre. We're just taking three movies from one category or genre. This time it happens to be sports movies, and we're just talking about them. Seeing if we see anything in them that has to do with sports, seeing how they relate to sports, seeing if we like them, seeing if we hated them, and just talking about movies. It's called the We Watch Some Movies Podcast. The creativity of the name should tell you everything you need to know. So let's go ahead and get started with movie number one. Okay, so movie number one is The Natural from 1984, directed by Barry Levinson. A quick summary of The Natural before we get into anybody's hot takes or opinions on it. Uh, The Natural chronicles the story of the fictional baseball player Roy Hobbs, who once had the potential to be the greatest pitcher in the game, but was shot and injured seriously before he really got a chance. Um, Hobbs works his way back up to the majors as a right fielder and a pinch hitter, kind of like Rick Ankeel. And he goes on to lead a magical and epic revival of the New York Knights Professional Baseball Club in the face of corrupt owners, bookies, and a largely incompetent manager. So, that's the summary of the movie. Why don't we go first to Stephen Ray Brown for his take on it. That was a really good summary. Alright, so I absolutely hate the movie, but 
I did en- I did kind of enjoy watching it. The reason why I hate it is because I felt like it was pretty mediocre. Like it was the story was all right, but there was some unnecessary some of it was just like why why is this in this movie? Um and it was a little long and drawn out. And so the reason why I hated it was because I felt pretty indifferent, but it's like widely regarded as one of the best sports movies of all time. So it just made me feel like an idiot. Like, well, what the hell am I missing here? But I, I mean, it was all right. I kind of enjoyed watching it, but I didn't, I didn't really think it was particularly great. So I'm, I'm not, maybe I'm missing something. I'm not sure what all the fuss is about. What did you think was uh, unnecessary in it? Uh, it was just the way, I don't know, the way the story went was just kind of like, like half the movie I'm sitting there wondering, okay, what's going on? And some of it was just like, all right, him getting shot in the beginning and like the way that his career got derailed was kind of weird and they didn't really do anything with those 16 years. And then he just appears back as a hitter now. And they, it, there's this weird theme throughout the movie, like his, his playing is like otherworldly. Like it almost makes you think, oh, he came back from the dead or something, and it now like has this bat. I don't know. It was kind of weird. And the bat was a weird subplot where it, I, it was like, okay, is this like Samson's hair? Is he actually good? Or is, <laughs> is there some mystical power? I don't. It, there was like. It was like they threw in elements to make make you think his skill now was mystical, but it wasn't. It was just some guy who came back and played baseball. So it was, it was just weird. So two things to that, just because I, I like this movie. I think there are some critical problems to it. But you're not alone in not liking the movie. Roger Ebert hated this movie. Um, and I generally respect his opinion on things. He's pretty good about movies. Um, <laughs> he watched a lot. One would think. <laughs> Unlike me. <laughs> um it makes me feel better. No, and I mean, and he had different complaints than you, more refined, uh, better, more <laughs> coherent complaints. Like most I people's opinions. But, but, um, so you're not alone in not liking this movie, but I think uh, one of the key pieces of this movie that I think, kind of, I don't know, maybe it gets overlooked, maybe people just don't care about it, maybe it's not that interesting to some people, is that this is basically a myth, an old-time myth brought back to life in the setting of baseball specifically it's um, from the legend of King Arthur. Um, and so you have Excalibur in his bat that he got, and that's what gave him power. And then you have him going away, being defeated, going away, disappearing for a long time, and then returning to lead his people, his knights back once again. Um, it follows the, the plotting of Joseph Campbell's um, breakdown of what a myth is and how myth, the story of the myth goes. Uh, it follows that to the letter. Um, you know, it's it, it's it's a myth set in pseudo modern baseball times, and that's why he's doing all this magic shit all the time. You know, uh, you know he's okay, batting, he's, he's hitting sense. the ball wherever he wants to. He's you know throwing it faster than anybody else can. He's blowing up lights when circuits don't really work that way. And that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, he's, it's, and they it's, keep raining down yeah, and raining down. It is. A, I mean, it is otherworldly, and that's I've mentioned Robert Roger Ebert because to him he didn't like it because it made baseball solely dependent on divine providence. And for me, I kind of liked it because it made baseball into one of the, the myths and the, of gods of old. And so this is Hercules or, you know, Jason, or like I said, King Arthur coming down and just, instead of beating people with a sword, he's playing baseball, being Robert Redford. What, what did you think, Kay? 
I mean, so for me, the the good parts of the movie were the baseball parts. I think the baseball story in and of itself, like that's the that's the good part of it for me. Um, him, you know, being this hot shot kid and then coming in and obviously getting shot, um, and then coming back years later and basically becoming, you know, like the Mike Trout at the time. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like that part of the movie. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it's very much like the romanticized kind of, you know, like myth, myth kind of, kind of arc. Like you were talking about, I, I like and respect that. The part that pissed me off was everything else about it. Um, <laughs> wow. Like literally everything else. There's, there are more plot holes in this movie yeah. <laughs> than I really care to go through. For instance, like this kid's career was derailed because why again? So they mention like on the train at the beginning, Oh, yeah, like this Olympic athlete and this, you know, superstar football player or whatever both got shot with a yeah. silver bullet. And you're like, oh, shit, something's <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> and then next thing you know, like he's he's not an Olympic athlete or some superstar kid. She ends up shooting like some some random kid from like <laughs> bumfuck Midwest. And you're Just like, why? Because he struck out one why? dude. Because he struck out one dude one time. Like this is... And why? Why? Do, why does she hate athletes? I don't. And then understand. why does she commit she suicide after that too? Though why is she? Why the that one? I don't get. Is she killed two others before him? There was something I never noticed that rewatching this movie this time, and it seems really obvious now. But there's a scene where he's sitting, where the where Roy Hobbs is sitting down with um, with uh, whatever the reporter's name who was played by Robert Duvall. Jim Duvall. Yeah, it's Robert Duvall, but Max Mercy yeah, is his name. I said Jim. <laughs> Jim Duvall. No. Jim Duvall is the guy I worked <laughs> He was sitting down with the reporter <laughs> dinner, and Memo was there, the girl. Um, and then um, they were sitting there with the bookie, Gus Sands. And Gus Sands says, I once lost a bet, $100,000, on three straight pitches. But don't worry, I took care of the guy in another deal. Ah. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, shit, Gus Sands Is he in that scene? Is Gus in that that. scene? Gus Sands is, I don't know if he's in the scene. No, he's talking later. No, okay, this is later in the movie when they're at the restaurant. Yeah. When they're talking to Gus. Right, and he says, that's when he said, I I once lost 100K on three straight pitches. The implication being that it's back then. They're get, they're getting off a train in the middle of nowhere. Is Gus just hanging yeah, out, yeah. like betting on random shit happening <laughs> in the field. I think he might have been. What is well, this? On. And then you have this entire like the entire romantic arc from beginning <laughs> to end is the stupidest, worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Yes. I, like he goes from one day like throwing pebbles at this woman's window. I'm gonna, <laughs> baby, I'm gonna marry you. I'm gonna marry you right now. I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna call on you. Twelve <laughs> hours later, my man's on the damn train chasing tail. And he gets <laughs> shot for it. And when he's in the hospital, what does he do? Does he go back to his girl? Does he say, you know what? That was a bad no. idea. Maybe I shouldn't have been chasing tail. Maybe I should go he back to my woman. He completely disappeared. No. He disappeared for 16 years. He came back, and he starts, you know, carrying on with this other chick. Oh, bumps dead like dead bumps woman well and the thing about that too is like okay wait so he got this girl pregnant she had his kid he just went he didn't die he just like went off the grid for 16 years like but he's not he dead. Rossed. he's circus floored 
Like they, <laughs> what what happened there? And and that's, that's I mean, that it's, was it's one part of the it's part of the epic. It's part of the myth. And I think well, that's the part of the that thing about I, that. I know things just kind of happened. Like yeah. the lightning bolt patch just happened. The yep. sun just happened. Like things just kind of like the what's his name bump. Like he just died. <laughs> oh, we gotta we gotta kill off this character. Oh, he'll he'll let's, just let's, run into a wall and die. I was watching this. I was watching this, and I said. Bump's going like something's gonna happen. He's gonna like tear his knee, but he's gonna end up on the DL, or he's gonna like get yeah. hammered one night and miss the game and get benched. No, they no, went no. the completely other way. They killed this man. So they killed I, him. I tweeted, I tweeted at the time that I was watching this. <laughs> I've never seen this before, but oh, they straight killed Bump. Like this dude. This, this is my my favorite moment in the movie because they give Bump. <laughs> Like the scene before it is Bump, you got one more chance, bud, or else Roy Hobbs taking the spot. <laughs> and then the next scene is Bump running through a wall. And hey, Jose then, like, a sma- and, and then a dies. smash cut to his funeral. And I don't know <laughs> if it's supposed to be funny, but I laugh hysterically. Every I did damn too, time. dude. I was <laughs> just completely <laughs> blown away that this yeah, is how this no. went down. It's based on um, a guy who did die running into a wall, Doc Powers, in 1909. That happened to a guy, except it was... um. Oh, it was God. at Old Shiva Park where he, he just ran into like a concrete wall and died later. Well, that was inadvisable. Yeah, I wouldn't have done well, that. What's personally. ridiculous about that part, too, is it just happened and then it was over. And it like Bump yep. had his one like 10 minute section and he like came in. He was this big deal. He died. And then we're, we're done. Yeah. So I don't necessarily disagree with you guys. I think storytelling critically, it's it's got a lot of flaws, got a lot of problems. But I think those flaws and problems are almost built into it just because they went so hard, so hot and ready after the the epic myth type of thing. Right. Um, yeah. And you know and I think that it is held Steven said at the beginning, it's held as one of the best sports movies ever. I think that alone kinda tells us a lot about how we see sports stars and athletes. You know, it's that most people are comfortable with this guy doing these things as an athlete. These things were used to that used to be reserved for King Arthur or or the Roman or Greek gods. And now we just kind of juxtapose a baseball player over it, and everybody's like, "Yeah, that makes sense." Yeah, I think that kind of says a pretty good deal about it. But no, I mean, I think it has a lot of problems, but I do, I do enjoy a lot about how it's made. Um, there's the soft focus that makes it like kind of dreamlike. I kind of I enjoy that, especially when uh, what's her name, childhood childhood lover. Oh, Glenn Close. Yeah, when yeah old, I, I forgot her name in Iris. in the film. When she shows Iris. up, it's like super diffused and just real dreamlike. Well, and, it's like, and plus, her hat is a, just a ring around her head that gets lit up like a halo. Basically, and yes. that's real damn on the nose. Yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, they use light to tell the story. They use it in the halo on her, and then um, in the judge's office, who is the yeah, devil. The it's the all dark. Light. Yeah, you know, it's it's that is true. Aesthetically, it was it was. I mean, it was aesthetically pleasing. I'm sure there's a more yeah. better way to <laughs> describe that, but that's no, no, the better way to describe it would be aesthetically pleasing. It's, with the proper aesthetically, pronunciation. aesthetically. <laughs> <laughs> Damn thing is good to look at, you know. <laughs> no, like I mean, the I, from an actual like, if we're breaking this down like technically as a film, like I thought it was very well done. Yeah. Um, I thought that you know, like you said, the the way. They use light to tell the story. The way they use sound to, uh, you know, conjure these emotions of you know, the the epic moments. And even though I think it's complete like cheese ball, 
Mm-hmm. When it's like, oh man, he's like down o two or two two rather, and you like everybody in the world knows that he's about to deliver because otherwise it'd be like Casey at the bat, which is stupid, yeah. and uh, <laughs> which they borrow from it, right? But yeah, I I just the 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 one the one part from a filmmaking perspective I I I I hate is when they just like they go all out on it and they give it away. Yeah, it's like the pitch is delivered in slow motion. It's like and Randy, yeah. Randy, I wonder, Angle Randy Newman score starts kicking up. I wonder what's going to happen <laughs> next. Like, <laughs> and yet I like I love that scene. <laughs> Unabashedly, it gives me the tingles. Oh yeah, when that when he hits a ball into the lights and they start exploding all over the place. Uh, and, and like I said, Randy Newman's ridiculous. Robert Redford score. Robert Redford has like 20 of the longest homers in major league history. <laughs> he destroyed a light. He destroyed every and light bank with one the shot. The foul back into the press box. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's real dang impressive because when you watch a swing, it's a shame Chip and Joe weren't back there. <laughs> that swing of his no, is not. Oh, the swing is trash. Dude, him throwing, he the literally throws at the like a 12 year old, like a 12 year old boy who's never touched a ball in his life. And he was like <laughs> blowing it by the right handed Babe Ruth. Can we like, touch on this, though? Because not a single one of the athlete actors was even halfway decent. Like, they were all just terrible. Like, there's the one – there at one point, the guy was supposed to bobble the ball in the outfield. He caught the ball, had control of it, and then the actor straight up just, like, <laughs> kicks his hand and, like, throws the yeah. ball out of his hand. And you're watching this, like, guys, you're not even trying. Well, like, how hard is it to not catch a he's ball? A professional, he's a professional athlete, Stephen. He's used to making the plays. It's not. It's not like you, where he can just bobble yeah, it on on demand. It's, I don't it's think as easy as you, it looks. I don't think they had any real athletes in the movie. I think it was mostly just with just actors. I'm not. Um, no, it's not surprising at all because Bump Bailey was Michael Madsen playing Michael Madsen as always. <laughs> I, I like to think that this film. Like when I think about the way that a lot of baseball movies are shot these days, like ranging all the way back to like when when you look at the way they did the infield play of like Major League, the fan, where it's mm-hmm. all these quick cuts, close shots that are all you know very poorly done. Um, mm-hmm. Like it doesn't like you never actually see any baseball action. It's just like this is. I don't know of any other baseball films before this one. So I, I want to say that I get to blame the natural for this. Um, but it's just very stylistically like remission yeah. of like that I kind think of stuff. Aside from the glory of getting to see some big old dongs hit and they linger on those dongs. I think as a sports <laughs> movie, it doesn't really deliver, but yeah. I do enjoy it as, as just a, a film to be yeah. enjoyed. Cool. All right, let's move on to movie number two. In a stirring ceremony at Knights Field, star right fielder Bump Bailey's ashes would drop from a biplane as fans and ballplayers stood and paid their last respects. Bump Bailey died after crashing headfirst into the right field wall in pursuit of a fly ball. A great catch that almost was. Rest in peace, Bump Bailey. Baseball will miss you. Heads on the ice out there. Yeah, we, got this. Guys, we all know how to play hockey. Just play it smart. That's right. You don't do it. Stick 'em. Fuck 'em. Christ, Pablo. Right here, Charlotte's going. Come on. Let's go now. Let's go. Come on
need this win, you know. We got a lot of losses. To yeah, we got a lot of losses. Come on, let's start making the win. Play heads up out there. I mean, let's be smart. Man for man, we're better than any fucking club in the league. And just put our minds to it. Come on, Braden, our line starts. All right, and our second movie of the week is Slot Shot from 1977, directed by George Roy Hill. Um, little summary on this one. Uh, Slot Shot's the story of a struggling pre-NHL merger pro hockey team from a factory town um, where the the factory or the mill, I can't remember which it is, is about to be closed down. The mill uh, is on the verge and the team's about to be dismantled themselves. Um, They're called the Charlestown Chiefs. They're a bad team with a lot of colorful characters. Um, They're led by the washed up Reg Dunlop, played expertly by Paul Newman, um, along with the talented but kind of sick of everything Ned Braden. Dunlop decides to make the team popular enough, or try to make the team popular enough to attract a buyer by embracing old-time or violent hockey. Um, yeah. <laughs> just fighting all the time. Uh, he also tries lying to everybody and just about everything else he can think of. Uh, the team does eventually fold, but things kind of work out for everybody in the end. Um, it's comedy, if you didn't pick up on that. And uh, why don't we go to Kei Yamada for the take on it first. Yeah, so I could tell it was a comedy. I didn't find myself laughing very often, but that's just, I think, because it's not necessarily my kind of comedy. Um, I did actually, as a movie, enjoy this. I I enjoyed it from a, like, if I'm just looking at this and enjoying it from a movie perspective, perspective. Um, Did I like it as a hockey film or anything about sports? No. Um, But that's because I mostly think most sports movies are trash. Um, having said that, just I need to let you guys know this. I just finished up uh, like a month and a half stretch where I watched Twin Peaks in its entirety and the movie. <laughs> and so basically from like shot one when they show Ned Braden, all I can think about is the damn Twin Peaks sheriff out here skating his ass off <laughs> and being the only one that can like score. Um which surprised the the two things I've seen Michael Onkin and like he he is one of the few competent people um, around. Um, I, I I enjoyed it. Um, I I also couldn't help but be angry the whole time uh, because like there's all these fans who like never show up for this game and they've got this great young score on their team and yeah they suck somehow they start winning I'm not sure why. Um, like I've been, I've been getting into like advanced like hockey analytics over the last few years, and so I'm just sitting there, <laughs> and the whole time I'm thinking, Andrew Hirsch is going to like, he probably watched this and had a heart attack, and like <laughs> I'm sitting there getting angry the whole time because I'm like, oh my god, it's just a whole bunch of goons, and they're like, uh, they're romanticizing like people like just fighting all the time and hitting. And all the things that don't actually help you win hockey games. And I'm like, this is what is wrong with the sport. This is why there's like a million old dudes, like right in a way, like the Joe Morgans of the hockey world who are like, <laughs> the New York Rangers need to go get some grit. They need to get, they need to get somebody that'll hit somebody. 
I actually I, put in my notes that I'm pretty sure this is Dob's favorite movie. I yeah, exactly. And I'm sitting there like reading this, and this is for two years. I've just been nothing but angry at the New York Rangers beat reporters because to a man, they're all like, they would have won the cup if they had some grit. Uh, <laughs> and I'm just and and lo and behold, these guys win this cup because uh, they're just like gritty and beating the hell out of everybody. And I'm sitting there going, this is this is the problem, isn't it? This is what it is, is somebody decided, let's make like a not very funny comedy about just people beating the shit out of each other on a hockey rink, and you can win a championship. Um, <laughs> well, I think the problem, I think people like D.O.B. truly think that sports are like as they're portrayed in movies like this. I, I really think their brains think like that. You, you know that D.O.B. actually watches the games though, right? <laughs> <laughs> No, but I mean, like like I said, as as a movie, I enjoyed it. Like I thought the plot was, you know, pretty. I mean, like there were small issues here, but by and large, it was pretty watertight. It was easy to follow. Um, the Hanson brothers just cracked me up because they're yeah. so they're so over the top absurdist um, <laughs> that like I can't even take them seriously. Like like I look at like Killer, um, who was one of the, <laughs> Killer was one of the demon who decided he was going to take it upon himself to go wreck everybody. And I'm like, look at this guy. It's freaking Matt Cook out there, like, cutting guys' ACLs with his skates and stuff. Like, this guy disgusts me. And then I look at the Hansons, and they're just so over the top that I can't even be angry about it. I'm like, this is hilarious. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, that's that's where I landed on that. From the get-go, I love the Hanson brothers. When they're in the, uh, when they're in the locker room... And every every uh, <laughs> everything Randy Newman's character says, he's like, "All right, we need to have a good game tonight." And they start screaming like, "Yeah, yeah good game!" Yeah. <laughs> it's Paul Newman, not Randy Newman. <laughs> Damn it! Uh, I'm gonna, Damn it. <laughs> it's Randy Newman and Jim Duvall. <laughs> Damn it! Paul Newman. Oh my god! Oh, anyhow. All right. No. I so here's the thing. I, I knew, okay, I knew you might struggle with the the high concept mechanism that we call fiction. But, <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired! But... Uh, <laughs> let's let that sink it's, in. It's like reading a Jeff Schultz column is what it is. You here's read thing, a Jeff though. Schultz column and you're like, let there me, are people that really think this way. Let me burst your little bubble, though. Um, this movie is almost a true story, almost to what? the letter. Like it is based on the Johnstown Jets, a um, an NHL team, I think it was, and they uh, most of the storylines that happen in this movie, the little gags here and there, were things that happened to the Johnstown Jets. The Hanson brothers were real. They're the Carlson brothers, Jeff, Steve, and Jack Carlson, played by two of them are actually played by the Carlson brothers. The other one wasn't free, and they did all the things to to a T. Basically, what they did. What in the movie. Was he? What was he doing? Was <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what he could have been busy was, with. Was he on vacation? <laughs> but apparently, in 1977, Jack was busy, and so he was replaced by somebody else. But yeah, it's it is over the top, and it is ridiculous, and they do fight for too long. But I was reading one of the stories. One of the managers was saying, "Yeah." The Hanson brothers picked a fight right off the bat, right at the puck dropped, and um, we fought for a good 30 minutes before the ref called the game. <laughs> Golly. 
<laughs> Wait, that's an actual story? That's an actual thing that happened. And that's what oh kind of led to the making of this movie, is that this, this, this hockey league they were in was so stupid and so ridiculous that they're like, well, we can make a fictional comedy about this and nobody will, think it'll, nobody will be the wiser. Well, they so, were wrong. I, I love the comedy aspects of it too, because it was It's not like it's a movie that's gonna have you like rolling the entire time. Yeah. But there's just it was really subtle humor throughout. Like the, the goalie cracked me up the entire time. I <laughs> yeah. thought he was so freaking funny. Yeah. He reminded me of Fez. Uh, <laughs> he reminded me of Ilya Brizgalov the whole time. I don't. Jen's. I don't Jen, know who these people are. Jen is the first person who. I have found online who appreciates Ilya Brizgalov interviews, but he's this goalie who might be out of his mind hole. Like, he's <laughs> wait, saying, is he the one that talks he, about space and stuff? Yeah, he's the one who gave yes. the interview. And he's like, man, the universe is so big. Yeah, it's so, <laughs> so small. You know, you just uh, like, he's big. He's so he's big. big. <laughs> no, so, yeah, this movie, this movie has me from the opening scene when he's just talking about the different penalties. Oh yeah, high sticking. He high sticks the interviewer. (laughs) (laughs) No, that I realized too. That uh, that was a this is Sports Center commercial later with uh, oh what's his name? Anyhow, they stole that scene as a this is Sports Center. Yeah, yeah. But also there was a bunch of just clever just lines like thrown in. Like when I have noted down is and their delivery was spot on. At one of the games, uh, they're in this huge brawl. And the guy uh, doing the commentary for the game is like, take a look at this, folks. Well, you can't because this is radio. And it's such a dumb line, but he delivers it perfectly. And I was like dying when I heard it. Yeah, everybody's really funny. Like you expect Paul Newman, who is not the composer Randy Newman, to be funny. <laughs> Thank um, you. He's, one, he's probably my favorite actor of all time. And he, you know, he's, he's usually flawless. He puts himself in everything. He, he has great timing. His lines are real good. But everybody else does a really good job too, which is odd because contrary to the natural where you had a bunch of actors playing athletes, these guys are yeah. mostly hockey players. Yeah. Um, a lot of them were actually Johnstown Jets players and huh. they just gave them a character. Um, except, I, well, even uh, Ned Braden played by Aunt Keen, is, um he played hockey in college. Yeah. You know, so that that everybody was one looks of the things I was shocked with. Yeah, all these because guys look good on the ice, but they're also – they're pretty dang funny too. I was looking, yeah. I was looking at it, and I was like, "All right, who did they get to double for Ankeen? Who's out there?" Except then I look at him skating, and it's like, "No, that's him, dude." Yeah. Like I was, dude can skate. Yeah. So I mean, it's a to me. I don't know that I've seen a ton of hockey movies, uh, but there are some good ones out there, like Goon. I enjoyed Goon. Um, the Mighty Ducks, of course. <laughs> um, yeah. Mighty Ducks is, is a great hockey film. This is my favorite movie that has to do with hockey. I don't know if you can call it a hockey movie because this case says, really, there's not a lot of hockey that takes place in the movie. There's a lot of fighting and there's a lot of the trash entire, talking. The entire movie's Corsi 4 is like six. Like, there's like six <laughs> shots. There's six shots attempted what, it, No one listening time. to this knows what that means, Kay. Not a single person. I'm Steve No one's Brown. listening to this going, Steve oh, Brown yeah, you're right. chastising Corsi. you for your advanced stats usage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty damn bad. You of all people, <laughs> but no, I like it because it's it's just dadgum entertaining. I mean, uh, it's, it, yeah, it's it's, it's uh, George Roy Hill made The Sting, and he made Butch Cassidy and his Kid, and there's a lot of experimentation and complex mechanisms in those, and there's not in this movie. It's just this <laughs> is the this is the thing that happened. You, Very straightforward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
but it's real vulgar for the time, and I kind of like that. Yeah, it's, I, you know, it's it come kind of get it comes a year after Bad News Bears, and it gets drawn into that a lot as the lovable losers. They were kind of in vogue, and this really embodies that big time because these guys are all losers. Uh, oh yeah. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's a real dirty movie. There's a lot of cursing. There's there's nudity. There's violence, obviously. Um, but my favorite thing about that is there was this Time reporter. I read a lot of movie reviews after I watch movies, and um, there was this reporter from Time at the when it came out named Richard Schickel, who um, he he said the movie was too vulgar, and it was all because of On King's striptease at the end. That was just too <laughs> really? far. That's from what him. did it. That, that was, was it. It was just cheap entertainment, and it was graphic and unnecessary. Doesn't mention anywhere in the review all the breasts or the wanton <laughs> violence or anything else. I thought that ending, too, was... I don't know how you treat spoilers on here, but I really thought the ending was perfect. Right? And I was kind of wondering, like, how are they going to resolve... Like, he's Newman's been just a con man for the last two hours, and there's a bunch of weird stuff that... Like, how are they going to resolve all this at the end? And I... I don't know. I thought that final scene was perfect. I loved it. Aunt Keen out goons everybody without throwing a fist is what it comes down to. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. It resolves stuff without requiring like a big scene for it. Like the the deal with his girl who's an alcoholic. Like all all that stuff got taken care of and you didn't at least I didn't at the end of it feel like, well, wait a second, what about this? And what about this? I, it didn't nothing really happened, but it still just to me felt resolved. It it didn't feel like the natural. No, <laughs> not at all. All right. Yeah, well, you didn't have a lot of storylines in this movie. It was pretty much one storyline with a bunch of skits. And, <laughs> you know, so there wasn't a lot to tie up. And they what they did, they tied up well. And they didn't make it, you know, they didn't do the deus ex magna save the team or anything. The team, the team folded. But I also know. love how you cannot watch a 70s movie without at some point there just being some really casual, blatant racism. Like, it's... <laughs> At some point, it, you're going to run into that. And this, like, never fails. In this case, it was Native, Amin- Native American stuff. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. literally every 70s movie is like, they, it's like they had to put something in there. It, like, was it really that just normal during that time period? Like, oh, how, yeah. How many Bruce Lee movies have you watched? Because in every one of them, there's one black dude, and one, it is the most, like, jingoistic thing you've oh, ever seen gross, in your yeah. life. And two, that dude is dead in the first 20 oh, minutes yeah. of the movie. There's no chance for that dude. Yeah. I also want to know, who are these people that agree? Like, who's the Native Americans or who's the black people who, like, during this time was like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll portray myself as that like complete caricature. I'm down with that. I don't know if you've studied the '70s. They don't didn't have a ton of agency. At the, yeah, that's true. <laughs> as a people, there weren't a there weren't a lot of black guys standing up and saying, "Yeah, this is my you know I can do this." <laughs> yeah, that's true. you can't tell me what to do. Who are you, a white guy? Because <laughs> the answer is yes. It, he was a yeah. white guy. No. No, there was that was actually a complaint I had with it because um reading about the Johnstown Jets, there was, um, they actually had one of the very few black hockey players um, at the time. And they got into a lot of fights defending this dude. And I thought that would have been a really cool element to the movie. But That's I don't awesome. think, I don't think George Roy Hill was looking for a progressive filmmaking with Slapshot. I feel like he probably looked at it and said, that's what this movie needs is another reason for them to fight. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, Slapshot, like I said, pretty straightforward. It's it's one of my favorite comedies. I find it funny. Um, I, I have a better sense of humor than Kay, so <laughs> we'll roll with that. Um, anybody got anything else? Nope. Then let's move on to movie number three. You got my eye on the three, you guys. You put one thing, you're out of this game. Now I run a clean game here. I have any trouble, I'll suspend you. I'm looking at a fucking song! Basketball is, is, is like poetry in motion. Just coming down the court, you got a defender in your way, you, you take him to the left, you take him back to the right, and he's falling back, and you just, Jay, right in his face. And then you look at him, and then you say, what? And wrapping up this week and this set of podcasts is He Got Game from 1998, directed by Spike Lee. He Got Game tells the story of Jake Shuttlesworth, played by Denzel Washington, and his son, Jesus Shuttlesworth, played by Ray Allen. Jesus. Uh, Jake, Jake the father is in prison for, um, we'll say, the unplanned murder of his wife, Jesus' mother. Um, and Jesus is the top high school basketball recruit in the country. Uh, Jake and Jesus are not on good terms, obviously. Um, but Jake's the father who taught his son the game, and he's granted a seven-day reprieve from the prison to try and convince his son to choose to play for the governor's favorite school, Big State. If he can succeed, the governor has agreed to help Jake get out early. Um, all of this takes place alongside the storyline of Jesus' attempt to navigate the sudden popularity and the prominence in the CD world of college athletics recruiting. And it's a Spike Lee joint. So it's a different kind of movie. Um, I'll go ahead and give my take on it. I, you know, in general, I like Spike's movies, not necessarily because they're perfect. They have a ton of problems, and this movie had a, has a lot of things that don't really work. But I like him because he's always doing more than just telling one story, and he's not really scared of trying new and creative stuff, even though it falls flat. Or even if it falls flat, he's, you know, it's been said about him a lot. He's making his movie and he doesn't really give much of a damn if you don't like it. And He Got Game is kind of a, a great case study in that. There's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff he does in the movie. And some works great, some doesn't work at all. Um, mainly, there's just like no subtlety to the movie. You can tell right on the nose what Spike is doing and why he's doing it. For example... Uh, one of the things often drawn is the uh, he uses Aaron Copeland music throughout the movie, which is, if you're not familiar, Aaron Copeland's American composer. And if you ask anybody in that in, in the music industry, who is the most American composer, they would say Aaron Copeland. It's, he's got all these songs that he's sweeping, pioneer-type songs. You know, They evoke the open range and that stuff. And so Spike Lee uses these, these songs to tell the story of basketball in the inner city. And... It's kind of um, it's kind of odd and it's off-putting for some people, and some people can't really get into the movie because of it. But it's kind of clear that what Spike is doing is using this music that is associated with Middle America and is associated with things like baseball, um, and overlaying it on top of basketball and overlaying it on top of stories of the inner city to say that this is just as much America as any of those other things that. It goes together with America, just like those other things does do. 
Um, you know, and that kind of thing, that works for me. The American nostalgia interposed or juxtaposed on top of urban America. Um, and it's really cool in places. It jars you in a lot of ways, like good art should, I think. Um, but it's, it's also a little heavy handed and it's a little thin. Um, for example, when it's a shot of Denzel paying a prostitute for some dry humping and he comes in his pants <laughs> And Aaron Copeland's sweeping music and the panning shot is going back and forth on that. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, mm, this didn't really play out. So, yeah, I mean, I I like the movie in that it's, it is a kind of a singular work of art and it's, it's Spike's vision come in, coming in a full circle, but it's, it's definitely got its weak points. So I thought the story itself was really good. I like, I thought it was a good story. I thought the ending, I, I thought it was interesting how he still went to, big state but not until after his dad gone back to prison so the deal was off and whatever but um so i thought some of that was interesting I, and like i i like all the things you said i just don't think this story was told very well i think you describing it as thin was pretty accurate i i put down that i thought it was monotoned it, i just couldn't it's like you see these things happening and you're aware that there's substance there but you're, you you don't get into it and i can't take seriously when when freaking Keenan and Kel is his uncle, like I, I can't take you seriously. And when Ray Allen is trying to deliver these lines, like in the beginning when they're going through and saying each of the basketball players is uh, saying who they are, and Ray Allen just looks dead in the fam- dead dead in the camera, and he like goes through. And he goes, then you look at him, then you say what, and then it it cuts to another guy, and I was like, that's the corniest thing I've ever seen in my life yeah but here's but here's the thing steven is think about when this came out and consider that this is really kind of smack dab in the middle of the entire like slam magazine era like mm. that entire like night like starter jacket like well then you know, put some sort what, of attitude like, behind it that is that is everything that attitude right there as corny as it seems today is everything that that era was. But uh, sell it then. He doesn't sell it at all. He literally just looks into the camera and is just like, and then you look at him. But think about this. And then you this. say, what? This is why I enjoyed this. And I, I we talked a little bit about uh, b- beforehand about the fact that it's like, oh man, like I thought Ray Allen was going to be a bit player, but it's Ray Allen actually <laughs> in the lead. Yeah. But I look at it like this, dude, is what was, what was Ray Allen being portrayed as? This top shot recruit, like he, he was, he yeah. was supposed to be for all intents and purposes, like take what Ray Allen was at UConn and then put him into high school. And that's, that's what he was. And so, you know, ah, like he didn't sell that well, man, every, we talk about so much, all these athlete interviews and like how like corner they corny they are or whatever, like that just felt natural to me. And I think, I think part of the reason why I was able to believe the struggle of Jesus Shuttlesworth is because like that Ray Allen had been through that and no, he wasn't a great actor. He was just like being him. Um, but he wasn't really or, like that seems to imply that you think when, when athletes are giving interviews after a game, you think, you think that's authentically them. Like that gives you a glimpse into their soul. No hell it doesn't. Like it's just a bunch of canned BS. I mean, and that's what it is in this movie too. It's like it's 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 Ray Allen giving a two and a half hour long sports interview. There's no emotion to it. He's not into it at all. It's just, 
And there's so much dialogue. Oh my god. Okay, let's well, see. That's the thing that I was going to get at. Dialogue is one of Spike's. A lot of people call it a weakness, but he he would not characterize it that way. Obviously, um, he has his own <laughs> style so dialogue. Much. And one of the things that really bothers people is that he has people uh, deliver their lines directly into the camera. They're looking straight at the camera when they're talking, and that's very weird. It's a very weird movie technique. Um, and that works if it's a good actor, and it works um, because Spike Lee is trying to be so on the nose all the time. Um, I think it's tough for Ray Allen. I think he does as good a job as he could as the probably the seventh choice of Spike Lee's. Um, Spike apparently wanted Kobe and then um, Kevin Garnett and then Tracy McGrady and Stephen Marbury and Rick Fox wanted to play in it. Rick Fox is actually in the movie. He but, had all, he had all these guys. He went yeah. for actual high school guys. Yeah. He went for basketball players over actors, and he did that because I think he wanted the basketball to be more true than what was being said. Because in Spike's mind, he can make what's being said um, ring true enough. He's not going for hyper realism ever. I mean, for heaven's sake, he's not going for hyper realism at all. The whole story of we're going to grant you seven day reprieve if you convince your son to go to this university. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's sort of a real ridiculous thing. He's going for making points and making them very bluntly. Um, you know, he gives, he gives, he gives the kid the name Jesus for heaven's sake. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is the kid that everybody wants a piece of. He's everybody's way out. He's the guy who, if he makes a sacrifice, Jake's dad can come out of his prison and he's named Jesus. Yeah. You know, there's the corruption in the recruiting grit biz highlighted, highlighted of course, by the fact that it's, the college recruiting business is connected to prisons. You know, there's, there's these really hard, blunt points that he's doing. The basketball throw at the end. The Air Jordans are in there as yeah. Mars Blackman. It's so heavy-handed. And <laughs> yeah. it's, there's stuff like, uh, at the end, it's almost like Spike Lee did two hours of movie, then it was like, oh, we never brought up abortion. Well, just, <laughs> yeah. you, you've got plenty of dialogue. You've got tons of dialogue to work with. At just some point, just mention the abortion. And well, just that's toss it in there. Yeah, and that's what I say. He is heavy-handed, and that works when the actors can kind of keep up with that. Yeah. And I'm not sure yeah. Ray really was able to, and that's why it probably seemed like he dragged the movie down a little bit. But I think you know, yeah. for 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 me, a lot of it, like I think probably 40 percent of this movie, I just kind of discarded and didn't really think about um, because the the entire dynamic between Jake and Jesus, uh, I it's kind of what everything's framed around, but the way the way this movie works and the way that it ends up working itself out, I feel like that's not the point that was being made. And so everything else just kind of seems secondary to me because the the demons of going through that recruiting process and how your family turns on you, everybody wants a piece of you. Like I felt like I was watching like a hyper like altruistic thirty for thirty basically <laughs> um which they did they did a 30 for 30 about you know kind of the the pitfalls of of you know your when your when your family comes after you and all this and i it, you heard all the stuff about tim duncan you know yeah. having 20 mil embezzled from him like recently like that showing that point and how that played out in this young kid's life was what I took away from this because especially, you know, back then in those slam magazine days, that's not something anybody talked about. People mm -hmm. were talking about, you know, who's got, who, who, who's, who's got the, who's got the shoes who can dunk that you got the Ray Allen cover where he's talking about strippers 
and <laughs> you know they're talking about Lynn Bias and the cocaine. They're not talking about you know these kids' families taking advantage of them. And so yeah, it was heavy handed, but I felt like in the time period that it was in, and kind of what he was trying to say, I, I thought it was I thought it was well done. That part, the other forty yeah. percent of it, I don't I, care about. It's still I. I mean, I agree. I think it's a good story. I just still it just wasn't told well. And there's a lot of stuff that could have been cut out too. Like he talked to his aunt and uncle in that early scene for forever, and the scene about his name being Jesus. That is like after I was like, okay, I got it, Spike Lee. Like I, <laughs> I got it. I promise you. It's just a lot of that stuff is like, dude, come on, wrap this up. Do do something else. I mean, it didn't need to be two hours and twenty minutes long. There's no sense in that. No, um, but. I'm, 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 I'm kind of on the Go fence ahead. here between the two of you. I really do. I lean probably more towards what Kay is saying. I think this is a, um, I think he set out to make a point about, um, about how athletes are treated, specifically star black athletes are treated when they're coming up through the ranks and what it means to them to get out of poverty, but also how difficult that is for them. That it's not just them getting out of poverty. It's them having to deal with everybody else wanting to use them as their savior to get yeah. out. And then that, coming along with the temptation of Jesus. And it's it's all, you know, I think he makes that point very well. I think he sells it very well. And I really like his techniques. Um, aside from, he changes film stock at one point in the movie to make this documentary style thing. Uh, when, when Ray Allen's talking to the camera and all the people are introducing themselves, that's a little weird for me, but that's a nitpick. But, you know, other than <laughs> that, like sweeping around when people are talking to kind of give it that panorama, uh, that big, making it a big classical movie view, like The Natural. But really, all it is is people talking about abortion, or people talking about hoes and stuff like that. It's it, but he's saying, yeah, this is part of America too. Yeah, I think he he accomplishes most of what he set out to do, and so I I respect him for that. In the end, for me though, it's it's it is a well crafted piece of art, if it's not necessarily a popular movie. Um, and I think it demands attention, and I think that's kind of borne out by the fact that it makes us talk about it. Yeah, you know, it's it's to me that's what makes good art it's it makes people have a reaction one way or another it's something that can't be ignored and i like this i like this better than i like white men can't jump which yeah. to me are the only two basketball movies that matter non-space jam division <laughs> i haven't seen white men can't jump so i have no opinion man i almost picked white men can't jump but i need to do this one I need to get a spikely joint on you guys <laughs> so that's pretty much all i had on he got game you guys got anything else to to throw in there it's pretty much no. it for me, mate. All right, cool. Did you, so? So, where oh, do you man. land? Do you... Uh, random. Hold on, I do have one random point on that. This, this is. I'm just gonna say it. I'll catch hell for it. <laughs> I think these little things are funny. But in the in the beginning, when he says he asks him, uh, "Do you understand?" And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Well, you better overstand it." It was one of those times where you never realized. Like, I I never really thought about the etymology of the word understand until he said that. And I was like, what is how, what is a stand and what does being under it have anything to do with comprehending something? So that's completely off base, but maybe, maybe the next time the 500 grows on break, we'll do a paradoxes of etymology podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. It'll be great. <laughs> Thank it'll, you for that lovely contribution. It'll, it'll be very well listened to. Where do you guys stand? Where do you, where do you land on He Got Game? Do you do you like it? Hate like it, or it. you just don't know? I like it. I dislike it. I think I like it. And you're welcome to change your opinion later. 
right. Well, that that does it for all of our movies that we have this week and for the past three weeks. Uh, before we go, I say this every week, it's kind of hard to pick just three movies to represent a genre, even though they're not necessarily trying to represent them all. Um, so what are some other sports movies that you guys think we could have either done or that you just wish we would have watched together as buds and talked about? <laughs> um, for me, going to be Any Given Sunday, which I think is, uh, I think that's probably the best football film that's that's been done um like i i generally i brought this up in week one i think most sports movies are shot terribly um and any given sunday is no exception it might be one of the worst shot sports films (laughs) ever um like they're playing in like seventy thousand person stadiums that have like you know lights and shit but it seems that they forgot that um, and so everything is just like super dark and I know it's like mood and all that, but it's just like, dude, please let me feel like the sport's really happening. But from a storytelling perspective, it's not unlike, you know, he got game where you're talking about the, the pitfalls and, um, I guess some of the like context around the game that you don't see every day, um, is one of the big reasons why I enjoy any given Sunday, um, kind of the back and forth between Jamie Foxx and Dennis Quaid, I think is just like ex- exceptional. Um, and so that is, that is me film of choice. It is terribly shot. It's so terribly shot. Tony but, Scott did that same thing in, uh, in the last boy scout, except he was having the dude shoot a guy on the field too. So that kind of <laughs> realism. And listen, and, and Pacino though, he was, I mean him, yeah. Qua- him Quaid and uh Fox man. No movies as horribly shot as Hoosiers, though. This this is true. Oh god, I hate Hoosiers. All right, Stephen. All right, well, uh, like I said, I haven't seen a lot of uh, movies in general, so the <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be the guy who doesn't know movies and then picks like Remember the Titans. Uh, <laughs> and then I'm also so I'm not gonna, gonna go be with, the guy. I'm gonna go with oh, Neo Marshall. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm also not gonna be the guy that doesn't know movies, then picks Jerry Maguire to sound like, oh, I picked a classic. Uh, instead, I'm throwing a complete curveball. Originally, I said the fire, but the fighter. But then I thought about. It, I was like, no, expand what you're thinking of with sports. NASCAR is a sport. I'm going with oh. Talladega Nights. Talladega Nights. Talladega really? Nights, baby. Oh God. <laughs> I thought you were gonna go oh, with God. Days, I thought you were going Days of Thunder there, but you didn't. Nope. You went no. Talladega the other way. Talladega Nights. Stephen right. yes, Stephen hasn't watched anything that came out before Jerry Maguire since this podcast. <laughs> the so. classic, the the classics, Jerry Maguire. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the olden days, I think that's on TCM tonight. Uh. <laughs> All right, I can I don't know I can respect it. I I said people should watch Walk Hard, which is another <laughs> a better John C. Riley movie. But um, you don't yeah, want me, this shit, man. For me, I. Uh, I um I actually had a different movie in here before I put Slapshot in. I had I had The Hustler, um, from I don't know the sixties, maybe, uh, starring Paul Newman. Uh, it's a movie about pool, which there aren't really a lot of, um, and it's a phenomenal movie. It's black and white. It's extremely well acted. The the shooting of well the filming of the shooting of the pool is really really cool and really interesting. A lot of smash cuts and stuff. And Scorsese did a uh, a sequel to it and it wasn't even it wasn't as good as the original so that kind of tells you the quality of that one and so i recommend watching the hustler um 
And then white men can't jump. Like I said, I almost included <laughs> that one. I, for, if, for my for my money, the two best shot sports movies are probably White Men Can't Jump and He Got Game for their sports scenes. Um, the sport, the sports, the sports scenes, and He Got Game. Fantastic. That's where Spike's decision to use real ballers, yeah, really, really worked out for him. But and if you're yeah. talking, if you're talking about sports movies and you're going to throw pool in there, then don't we have to? It does the where does Rounders get any consideration? Then they'll get some John Malkovich. It's good. It's a good movie. Probably made possible because of The Hustler. Moneyball is probably the greatest movie of all time. Or Varsity Blues. What about Varsity Blues? That's a sports classic, right? Philistine. Wow. <laughs> Am I going to get invited back on the podcast? The podcast is dead now. Just, you like, you, just like you will be soon, Stephen. You <laughs> Okay. Well, that wraps it up. Um, we've just put out there that Moneyball is the greatest movie ever. And, Bend it like Beckham. But maybe Varsity Blues is better. So that's maybe. a great note for us to end on. Um, we hope <laughs> cool that you, runnings. I, we hope that you really enjoyed this as much as we have ma- enjoyed making it. Um, we apologize for the opinions of Stephen Brown. Um, <laughs> there's not much we can do about it. But... <laughs> Listen to the 500. It's coming back next week. You don't want to miss any of that. If you want to take us down or agree with any of us, you can find us online at Braves Gen Store on Twitter. Or you can go read anything about us and find some ammunition on us at BravesGeneralStore.com. Don't at me. Um, do not at me. Always at Braves Gen Store <laughs> if you're going to talk to us. Don't at his parody account either. Yeah, don't let my parody account. I am. This podcast has launched me into stardom with our 11 views per week. And yeah. That does it for all of us. For Kay Yamada and Stephen Brown and even Bennett Garland, who joined us last week, I am Brad Blackburn. Have a wonderful life. Yeah, that's right. This cut goes out to all y'all that's been missing us for mad years. One love, yo. Yeah, that's why right. he's got game. PE 1998. If man is the father, the son is the center of the earth. In the middle of the universe, then why is this verse coming six times rehearsed? Don't freestyle much, but I write them like such. Word. Amongst the fiends controlled by the screens, what does it all mean? All this shit I'm saying.